The following episode of the 9pm edict contains politics, strong language, dodgy opinions, and adult themes. Australians could be paying more on their mortgages within days after the biggest rise in inflation in two decades. The annual inflation rate of 5.1% puts pressure on the Reserve Bank to raise interest rates next week in the middle of a federal election campaign. Hello, I'm Stilgerian. It's Thursday, the 28th of April, 2022. Welcome to the 9pm election unhinging week the 3rd. Albo's out of ISO tomorrow. Have you missed him? Well, I'm looking forward to him rejoining um, the campaign. He's had a pretty quiet week. Uh, I remember when I was in ISO, I had a very busy week attending quad summits and doing all those sorts of things. Oh, come on. He's been out there. He's been Zooming. He's been doing his best. I'm not sure that he's been doing his best is all that fabulous a defence. But, hey, that's Channel 9's Today Show uh, from this morning. Interestingly, as Amy Ramikas pointed out at The Guardian, um... Morrison was the Prime Minister at the time, so of course he'd have some things to do. Usually, though, she says, you can count on your deputy to pick up some of the slack while off or ill. Morrison's deputy is Barnaby Joyce, so that probably says enough. I'm uh, also tempted to, and will do, I will point out that Morrison's uh, ability to delegate authority isn't exactly something he's renowned for. He does tend to want to hold on to those decisions. It's his decision. It's the captain's pick every time. Surely uh, your ability to delegate authority and uh, have well-trained and uh, well-briefed people reporting to you is, is a core part of leadership. We will see what happens. Uh, I haven't really watched um, Albo's uh, uh, deputies too much this week because I too have been doing my best this week. Yes, I've got the spicy cough. Thankfully, I'm past the first wave of problems. For those of you who uh, didn't see this on, on the Twitters, uh, yeah, on the weekend, on the Anzac weekend, and in particular on the Sunday, I got the really sore throat and the, the blocked up nose and all of those things. Although on Saturday, routinely, and then on Sunday, a rat came back negative, and it wasn't then until the Monday that I got a positive rat. Uh, well, I was well into it all. Uh, what's today's Thursday, uh, as I said, past the first wave. So that's that's... That's good. But it's interesting because we also had this news today. The daily public updates about COVID case numbers are long gone and so too are many of the restrictions. But this month, there have been more than 1,000 COVID-related deaths, 46 yesterday alone. It's higher than in the first 18 months of the pandemic. Now, I haven't been tracking uh, the COVID case numbers, uh, although, of course, I think we all know that the number of cases is quite high. The number of deaths in absolute terms is is higher than it was, you know, last year or the year before, as we've heard, you know, a thousand there. But that's uh, that many deaths out of an enormous number of cases. So the per case death rate is way, 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 way lower. Um, God bless vaccines, right? God bless uh, 
hospital procedures that we've learned along the way and antiviral treatments and so on. Now, I'm, I'm not going to buy into the debate over uh, whether uh, we should be having more precautions now or not. That's for another time. But I will note that Scott Morrison has been stressing that, you know, we're past the pandemic uh, and it's all down to him and it's all wonderful and that's an achievement of the coalition government. I don't know that having more than 10,000 new cases a day is a sign that the pandemic is over. The pandemic is certainly in a different phase than it was last year, in a different phase again uh, than the year before, but it's not over. And the polling on you know, what people think of the government's response to the pandemic, I think is still going to be a thing. I think we're going to see uh, a bit more of that uh, in coming days. Fortunately for this podcast, I can um, edit out all of my coughing fits. (laughs) You didn't even notice me have one right then. But what I will say is that I love how mucus comes in so many different colours, even when it's from the same pair of lungs. Which brings me to the actual election candidates. Now, obviously I can't go through uh, all of the candidates in all of the electorates. I'd be here for days. Uh, But I'm in the uh, electorate of Macquarie, which consists of the Blue Mountains uh, in New South Wales and the, the kind of Richmond area. Two very distinct uh, parts of the electorate there. The Blue Mountains part always skews Labor. The Richmond part has a lot of uh, uh, new homeowners and people on semi-rural properties and and such, and and that uh, skews to the Liberal Party. Currently, Macquarie is held by Labor, uh, Labor's Susan Templeton, with a margin of just 0.2 of a percent. So this will be interesting. My candidates in ballot paper order kick off with Pauline Hanson's One Nation candidate, a a Tony Pettit. Uh, Then we have uh, Susan Templeton from Labor. Uh, Nicole Evans from the United Australia Party. I'll have to look her up. James Jackson from the Liberal Democratic Party, who's... Uh, very much, very much about having uh, parents having access to children after a divorce, and he's into fintech. Oh, that tells you all you need to know. Uh, Greg Keatley from the Aminal Aminal Justice Party, Animal Justice Party. Uh, Tony Hickey's the Greens candidate. Uh, Michelle Palmer from the Informed Medical Opinions Party, i.e. the anti-vaxxers. Part of her gripe, uh, which she mentions in her bio, is that she was about to to launch her singing career when it was all shut down by COVID lockdowns. Uh, So she has a grievance. And uh, the Liberal Party's Sarah Richards is listed last. I don't know how much attention to pay to all them. I have the feeling that that Labor will will hold the the seat, um, but as uh, we've as we've noticed over recent weeks, who can say? My reporting whinge of the week this week is the term hung Parliament. 
by which I mean a, uh, a parliament in which no single party has uh, a majority and uh, which therefore has to negotiate with uh, another party or parties plural to form a coalition or it has a minority government and uh, it needs to negotiate uh, individual pieces of legislation uh, as it goes along in order to get them passed. Now, in Australia, hung parliament almost universally in at least political reportage is kind of described as a bad thing. And this shits me to tears because it's not a bad thing. A, a parliament that is not hung, that is... Uh, where where one party has a, has a, a a majority in the house, and indeed, uh, if the Senate's the same, it just means that one party uh, is well an elected dictatorship. Effectively, it can just pass whatever legislation at once and keep going and keep going and keep going uh, until the next election. Whereas in a so-called hung parliament, well, they've got to negotiate and take other interests into account other than just their own particular policies uh, in order to get the legislation through. That's surely a good thing. I note that the term hung parliament, by the way, only dates back to 1974 um, to to an election in the UK which was uh, of that nature. And it derives from the term a hung parliament, like a hung jury. A hung jury is when... There isn't a clear verdict from the jury in a criminal case. They can't say guilty. They can't say not guilty. In criminal law, that just means it's a mistrial. The, this trial could not decide. Now, in some jurisdictions, that means, all right, we couldn't prove beyond reasonable doubt that the accused did the crime so they can walk free. In other jurisdictions, it means they 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 have a, a retrial. Um but either way, it's 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 not a failure of the system. It's the system working, and uh, a hung parliament should really be the same thing, shouldn't it? Now, the example uh, that keeps uh, coming up in discussions in the last couple of weeks was the 2010 Australian federal election. Uh, for those of you who can't remember back 12 years, this was when Julia Gillard was uh, Prime Minister, went up for re-election. Uh, Tony Abbott was opposition leader, with Warren Truss as the leader of the National Party. Good heavens, they were the days. And Labor eventually formed a minority government with the support of three independent MPs and one Australian Greens MP. And the two uh, independents uh, were, well, it was Tony Windsor and Rob Oakeshott, and the other independent was Bob Catter. Uh, and that's that's another whole story. But I was intrigued this week to hear um, Tony Windsor on the uh, the seven am podcast. Um, and he had, yeah, a number of interesting things to say, in including complaining about the pressure to have like an answer, to have a result on election night, and why won't you make a decision? I remember Oakshot and I were criticised by the media for not making a decision earlier. Well, it's very difficult to make a decision when the election hasn't been called in terms of the absolute numbers. You've got to remember that this this urgency to have a result on election night is purely an invention of the media. It's 
important kind of to get the count right, right? And we have a, an optional preferential system uh, in various ways and uh, it's complicated. People have postal votes to come in. So we know that not all the votes can be counted on the night. So the idea that you will always get a result on election night is down to media stupidity. And our democracy is not about what the media wants. The, the, the voting system is about you know, operating the machinery of democracy. And if the media can't cope with that, with that well, that, that's, that's their problem. Now, of course, with so many um, relatively high-profile independents this time, uh, this is probably going to happen again this year. Uh, and here's Tony Windsor's advice. I'd establish a process. I'd be strongly you know, representing the issues that, that your own electorate elects you on and, uh, and push like hell on those particular issues and you would be surprised how far you get. Most of the independents that I know of that are standing this time are just outstanding candidates. You know, I don't think we've seen a period of time where people of this calibre, people who really do care about the present and the future, have presented themselves for Parliament, might be saying very strongly to the independents, take your time, work it out, be satisfied with what you're doing and run with what you've done, rather than be railroaded into making quick decisions because you've got some pressure from the media or there's someone in your electorate that's making a big noise. Yeah, look, you know, the, the, the world would not fall apart if it takes a week or two for all that to be sorted out because, you know, Scott Morrison continues as Prime Minister until the election result is declared. So people say, oh, what happens if there was a war? Well, is it, we, we have the armed forces will deal with that. What happens if this? What happens is if that? Well, anyway. Tony Windsor did make another observation, which I found very interesting. The government of the day will always have the numbers on the committees in the lower house. But in a hung parliament, all the members, the government and the opposition and the independents, all have an equal say in terms of how debate can take place in those committee processes. One of the things a minority government does is that it takes some of the power away from the executive and the prime minister's office and themselves. That's where the power is. Well, in a hung parliament, you remove a lot of that power and you actually empower the parliament itself. We'll be back in a moment. Well, no, you won't, Ruby, because there's a limit to how much of your podcast I can I can use without, uh, well, annoying you and your producer. Uh, that was from the 7am podcast earlier in the week. Tony Windsor, uh, the former independent uh, MP there, he also wrote a piece which is connected to all this uh, for the Saturday paper last weekend. The headline, which I quite love, is Rorters, Rooters and the Country's Lost Decade. I'll uh, finish this segment by uh, mentioning something Amy uh, Ramikas said again from The Guardian. Yeah, you get two bites of the cherry today, Amy. She said on the Twitters, quote, a reminder that Labor didn't lose a vote on the floor of the parliament during those hung parliament years, even though they were painted as, quote, chaos and confusion. 
The coalition can't say the same and it holds the numbers in the House. It's only chaos and confusion if you can't manage the consensus process. In the most recent episode of this podcast, uh, a special guest was, of course, John Birmingham. And one of the things uh, we, we spoke about was how to make good swear words, good insult words. And uh, I think the example we used was fuck muppet, or it might have been fuck knuckle, fuck knuckle. I can't even say it right because uh, I'm editing out all of the coughs in this episode and there's quite a few. Uh, and it's the idea that it's, one syllable and then two syllables. Bum 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 bum, and it's using kind of plosives like f, k, t, really quite hard consonants, and the vowel is repeated. So fuck muppet. That's good to say, isn't it? Um, we are collecting some more. Uh, we've had a couple sent in already, um, and I'll credit these properly next episode. Uh, but Shit Gibbon is another one. Cock, Cockwomble, have I said that one already? There's quite a few. Um, do let me know if, if you have some more to add to our list, and uh, then I'll have the very great pleasure of just just reading them all out. Uh that next, uh, that next episode will indeed uh, be next Thursday, the 5th of May. It'll be another of these uh, little solo episodes of me talking about the election. Uh, there are, of course, still a couple of uh, episodes left in the special guest part of the autumn series. Um, I'll be back on the horse properly next week. Uh, that, that means riding the horse, not on heroin next week. I, I don't think I'll be on heroin next week. Uh, although it's a, probably a good time to start what with the election campaign going. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll sort out those um, those two episodes before the end of May. And, and as you know, we've got the election episodes on Thursday, uh, Thursdays through until the election. Uh, and the podcast is, as you know... It's the past the plate part. It's made possible by you, the generous listener. Uh, this episode, I want to say thank you to Nicole Coombe, who's been very generous uh, once more. And a first-time listener, Rowan, I think it is, because the word Rowan appears as part of their email address. Hope I've got that right. But they write, I'm hooked, found you because I was chasing the crumbs left by JB. Well, yes, some of JB's trail of crumbs leads to this podcast uh, where they lay on the floor and and it attracts ants. Thank you for joining us, uh, Rowan, assuming it is Rowan. I'll fix that next time if, if that's not your name. If you'd like to join these lovely people in supporting this podcast, particularly so I'm... I'm struggling through the quarantines here. Please go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip. That is the 9pmedict.com slash tip. Time for a look at the hingeometer, the wonderful scientific instrument, <laughs> scientific instrument, which uh, measures how completely unhinged this election campaign is becoming. 
At the end of uh, last week's episode, we ended up with a final hingeometer score of plus 30 unhinging points. Now, I have gone through how we got to that and deducted things that are no longer the case and so on, and and that pulls it back to a starting point this week of plus 15 points. I will not go through um, uh, how I got there, but I did. I used a calculator and everything. So we start off with plus 15, um, and journalists are still going on about the Albanese gaffe and things getting off to a bad start, even though that was like three weeks ago nearly. So a a plus one for that. Uh, Thank you, media, for just not being able to let go this momentary lapse of memory, uh, which brings us up to plus 16. Catherine Deves. Yes, the Liberal Party candidate for Warringah, uh the transphobe, the homophobe, the person who uh, compares things to the Holocaust. Uh, in the last week, uh, she kept her own Liberal Party members waiting for more than 45 minutes. Uh, this was on Friday night, so I, I, I only just missed it last week. Uh because she was meant to be meeting voters, voters at the Forestville RSL, uh, but but the the media was there, and she didn't she didn't want to meet the media. She refused to go on if there were any media inside. So she faffed about for forty five minutes, uh, inconveniencing her own people. Um, the Liberal MP for McKellar was was also there, Jason Felinski. It was meant to be a politics-in-the-pub-style evening, and those sorts of events are normally journalists are welcome because they, they have some of the questions and it all becomes a bit of a chat and you often have journalists on the panel. But I know reporters and photographers were told no way was she going to enter the room if the media was there, which is really weird because pretty much everyone else in the room also has a recording device and a camera in their pocket. But a compromise was reached. Uh, She could be photographed outside uh, the Forestville RSL, an attractive uh, location, obviously. She would pause to make a statement, perhaps answer one or two questions, and that was then downgraded on, and she's only going to make a short statement. Now, the irony in all this is that Scott Morrison is is declaring he would not allow her to be silenced uh, because of her views and, uh, quote, I'm not going to allow her to be pushed aside as the pylon comes in to try and silence her. And we will make sure she won't be silenced, he kept saying. I said, what? No one's silencing her but you, mate. She... And her. <sighs> the latest on that is this morning, uh, Catherine Deves has contacted the New South Wales Jewish Board of Deputies. Uh, she's going to actually arrange a visit to the Sydney Jewish Museum to, quote, learn more about the tragedy of Holocaust and its aftermath. Uh, that was because she thinks anti-trans activism uh, is equivalent to standing up against the Holocaust. 
obviously she's not aware that it's completely the other way around and that trans people were the victims of the Holocaust. <sighs> what a fool. Anyway, plus two more points to Catherine Deves. And I have linked to this. As you know, I link to everything on the podcast website. In fact, I link to... F- far more things than are probably necessary, uh, but I like to provide background to what I talk about. One of the most amazing videos was posted by, I assume, Catherine Deves' campaign team. Here's the soundtrack. We love Catherine. We love Catherine. She is our candidate, Okay. One, two, three, go. She's our candidate. That's it. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that take will do. I, I'm going to play it again in a moment. Um, have a listen for uh, how none of them, this ragtag of people, and, and I've got a photograph on the podcast website and look to go through the video makes it's just it's full of it's full of drama it's full of detail uh but one two three but then we have another go rather than just going and then they can't remember the thing and then when she reminds of the thing it's the guy who just answers the question Uh, have a listen again it's it's just beautiful we 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 love Catherine. she is our candidate Okay, one, two, three, go. She's our candidate. That's it. That's it. Another plus two for the professionalism and uh, just fabulous production values of Catherine Deves' <sighs> local support team. What else have we got this week? Oh, the, the, the Sydney Morning Herald had a, a headline the other day. PM stands firm in decision not to call Sogavari, who's the Prime Minister of Solomon Islands. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all controversial, uh, but he's not going to call Sogavari. And I said, "Is how is that standing firm? I mean, having a chat to someone who's just done a deal with China... Uh, I I suspect the reality here is that Morrison already has got a very clear message from Sogavare saying basically go fuck yourself Uh, and he's having a bit of a sook. I'm not calling him back now. Uh, If you've got a better theory, uh, let me know. I have stupidly left comments open on on the webpage. Uh, Plus two for the Prime Minister standing firm. And finally... Something that always shits me is is when the little partisan political foot soldiers on the Twitters and on Facebook and elsewhere want to turn every single thing into a party political whinge. Nigella Lawson, right, the, the TV chef, she of the bosoms and the chocolate cakes, she tweeted the other day, It's official and very excited to say that I'm shortly back in Australia to be on my kitchen rules and, if I may borrow an Australian term, I'm stoked. 
and she's standing uh, on, a, on a balcony, uh, which looks like an Australian terrace house somewhere, uh, in, a, in a beautiful um, green dress with white floral print. It's lovely. It's really nice. And she looks fabulous, as always. Uh, someone... Uh, Mad M or at I Spy School on the Twitter said, Welcome back! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I hope we all show you some good old Australian hospitality and that you don't get caught up in our elections. We are voting out the incompetent hashtag LNP corruption party and filling parliament with real representatives like Monfa Kuyong, Zali Stegel, Zed Daniel. Dear Mad M, you just caught her up in the election, you fucking idiot. What's... I'll only give that a plus one unhinging score because it is something we see constantly. But it does get the point for... Actually, no, plus two, because it's, it's, it's not just doing it. It's, it's saying that you don't want her caught up in the elections and then you drag her into the election. So plus two for that. Going through everything, uh, that's plus 24 on the hingeometer this week. Less than 30, uh, which was last week's score, and I think that feels about right. It it does, to me, feel slightly less crazy than at this time last week. Maybe it's the calm before the storm. Maybe it's because I was asleep for two of the days with the Rona. Let's see. Let's see where it goes next week. We started this episode talking about interest rates, uh, which are going up. That is going to be very interesting to see how that affects the election campaign. Well, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg uh, was, of course, out doing the media rounds this morning, uh, defending the government's economic record. Well, our economic record has seen Australia have an economic recovery that is faster and stronger than all major advanced economies across the world. That, Unlike previous recessions Australia has experienced, the unemployment rate has gone lower than it was going into COVID at just 4%. And with respect to inflation, this has been now being driven by external factors, the war in Ukraine, which has seen an increase in fuel costs and broader commodity prices. Oh, uh, sorry about that, uh, Josh Frydenberg, uh, Australia's most dynamic political, um, inspirational political speakers. Sorry, but... It's the usual thing, right, isn't it? When things are going well, it's thanks to us. And when things are going badly, oh, no, it's external factors. It's the war in Ukraine. It's these other things. The coalition, actually going back to my previous comment about minority government hung parliament, Australia has been in a minority government for the last 10 years. It's, it's a coalition of two parties that I know sort of agree with each other much of the time, but it's still a coalition of two separate parties. Anyway, this, this particular coalition keeps repeating that it, it, it's the one that can be trusted to manage the economy when th there's not a lot of evidence to support that that's the case. They talk about having small government, even though 
uh, that taxation is higher than it has been, you know, pretty much forever. Oh, that's not true, but you know the numbers are there. The idea that they are a low taxing government is simply bullshit. Uh, the cap on the size of the public service is just some arbitrary number, and good heavens, uh, it, it means the public service can't get on and and do its job because its budget keeps getting cut. Um, and you know, look at look, look at the figures. Look at the figures. I remember back in the twenty tens. It would have been very early 2010s, maybe the late aughts, uh, where my local news agent she was she was never going to vote Labor because Labor always puts taxes up and they're bad for the economy and this that and the other, and and her her reference point for this was the recession we had to have. That's a phrase from 1990. That is 32 years ago now. It would have been about 20 years ago then. Now, this was the early 1990s recession um, in Australia, but it was around the world. Um, Right across the world in the late 1980s and early 1990s, there was a period of economic downturn. Uh, Australia did suffer its worst recession since the Great Depression at that point. And Treasurer, then uh, later Prime Minister, of course, but he was then Treasurer Paul Keating, said, quote, the first thing to say is the accounts do show that Australia is in a recession. The most important thing about that is that this is a recession that Australia had to have. Now, I'm not an economist. I don't know whether... You know, or how to argue for or against that proposition. But it struck me when talking um, uh, to the news agent, uh, with a husband, I think, was there with various people, that certain little fragments of the, you know, stick in the minds of what we now call low, inf- uh, low information voters and stay there. So, whatever party you support, um, if you think what the other side is saying about you is bullshit and yet people believe that bullshit, then, uh, you know, maybe counter it with facts. Maybe help out the low information voters. <sighs> so, betting odds time. Yeah, yeah, let's wrap this up. My throat's starting to give way. Um, I have, of course, been tracking uh, the betting odds uh, via sports bet just to pick one, I mean, uh, the other market, uh, the other bookmakers are about the you know the same odds, obviously. Uh, but I've I've been uh, citing sports bet odds. Do remember uh, gamble responsibly. Blah blah blah. Don't bet more money than you have, and remember that it's all stupid and you're going to lose anyway. Uh, but for many weeks uh, before the campaign started, uh, the prices were around a dollar thirty or a dollar thirty-five for a Labor win coalition around three dollars fifty-ish for a win. Uh, but last week, um, certainly the the odds for Labor had widened out to a dollar seventy, and so on. Well, it's come back down again now. Uh, as I record this on Thursday afternoon, Labor's sitting at a dollar forty five, Coalition two dollars seventy for a win. Any other result now out to one hundred and one dollars. I yeah, that's going to go out because no one's really betting on that. Uh, these are all novelty odds. Uh, and uh, you know that'll be there uh, as as a novelty odd for people to go. Oh yeah, I'll bet something else. I'll make a fortune. It's like, no, you won't. It's not going to happen. So we're ha- are we halfway through the election campaign? One, two, 
Oh, we are. We are halfway through the election campaign, more or less. Uh, the hingeometers uh, kind of plateaued, perhaps. The betting odds are kind of up and down. I still don't know what's going to happen. If you have any ideas, let me know. Well, that's all the edict for now. Bit of a, a low-energy one this time. All the links at the 9pmedict.com. Uh, you can contribute to the tip jar at that slash tip. Uh, the next episode will be next Thursday, the 5th of May. Until then, I'm Stilgarian. Wash your hands. And vote early, vote often. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.